Hello, welcome to Cotton in a Rocket Ship. I am your host, Lennox Mars Jr. And we are in for a treat today. There were some things I wanted to talk about and I just didn't feel like talking about it because once again, it'd feel like I'm in Twilight Zone because all the things that we discussed as far as Legislative change, economic might. Um, we're still being pandered and patronized. Um, so today I wanted to talk and switch gears and discuss some poems that didn't make the actual book itself. And for those who are tuning in, thank you for tuning in to Cotton in a Rocket Ship. And this is season one, episode 20. And this is a good episode because this is, you know, it marks something for me. Episode 20 is a profound, it means I'm actually in in the space of being an official podcaster because I have 20 episodes. And doing so, I wanted to give you guys a treat because I just didn't feel like talking about the other stuff or I just didn't want to go into another piece of the book. And this was something that didn't make the cut. It was in my drafts. And for those who are tuning in, Cotton in a Rocket Ship is based on my life from boyhood to manhood and how I grew up in an urban environment, seeing race and all its aberrations and nuances from boyhood to manhood and how I experienced it living in America as being a man of African descent. So I thank you guys for tuning in. These poems that I'm going to read to you are part one and part two, and they're called The Better Me One and The Better Me Two. And this was when I was younger and how I had to adapt to my environment. For the audience and my listeners, I grew up in New Jersey and I spent a lot of my time in Newark, New Jersey in an urban environment. But from there, I was actually from the South. I was actually born in Florida. And Florida is a strange thing because it's not really the South, but it's kind of the South. And I was actually born in Miami, Florida. So when people think of Miami, it's very metropolitan. It's not really considered the South, even though it's the furthest thing south on the map in North America, but Miami is of its own devices. So when I came into New Jersey, just to preface the Better Me 1 and Better Me 2, there were some things that was totally different for me. And I was five when I got here. And I remember being on a Greyhound bus for some days traveling from 
Miami, Florida to Newark, New Jersey, and then coming up to New Jersey, and when we did, it was very hot. It was like a heat wave. The heat that I, I never had this type of heat in my life. And I remember, and I recall, it was like the sweat was pouring off my arms. And just coming here, the trees were different. We were used to like blue skies and palm trees and clear water. And then you come to a place where, I kid you not, the trees in New Jersey, it's not as so much here, certain parts, but the trees on the highway looked like they were gonna connect. So it almost looked like it was gonna swallow you whole or you're driving through a tunnel. And I remember my dad saying like, yeah, they call this the garden state. And I was just like, these trees are massive as a little kid. And then he had these little birds. Um, They're the Eastern goldfinch. And looking at these little birds, like hop around and skip about, we didn't have those type of small birds in Miami. We had normal sized birds, like you might see a cardinal or a blue jay or um, flamingos or even one of my neighbors up the street he had um, a peacock farm so sometimes the peacocks would get loose and they would be up and down the street but coming to New Jersey was something totally different and experiencing New Jersey you experience a lot of different things and part of it was how my cousins had to acclimate me into society. And in particular, my one cousin. And that's what made me write The Better Me 1 and The Better Me 2. And so I'll go into the piece and I hope you guys enjoy. The trials have begun. You are no longer a boy, but a man. Although you are my cousin, I will beat you until you can no longer stand. Fight back, and if you do, I will hurt you more. Don't cry, I will hurt you more. Don't let me tap your pockets or enter your space. Look how close I'm to your face. Pow! I fall to my knees. Crimson flows from my nose like liquid rose petals. As the blood roar shacks on the beige floors, something inside me clicks like a roaring fire. An arching blow launches my, from my fist, landing on his face. No fear, only hatred. I tell him I will kill you. He smiles and tells me, you're ready. That was the better me one. And when I first came to New Jersey, um, I was acclimated to my cousins. They were a lot older than me. So I'm, I must have been five, six, uh, no older than five or six when I came up to New Jersey. But my cousins, they were like close to like 12. 13 hitting just now hitting their teens but they so they were a lot older than me and my one cousin in particular he 
made it his business to toughen me up. And so he would like terrorize my, me and my other cousins. He would like wet these, um, this towel and he would knock the towel and, and beat us, run around the house when my aunt wasn't looking. And, and he would beat us with this wet towel. Like he would knock the towel and wet it so it had like a thud and he would hit us with the towel. And, like yo you need to get tough like stop being a chump and he just would beat us up beat me up until I fought back and then he just beat us up some more but um and I didn't understand it I was like yo why if he's family why is he dogging me and it was for you know, it was for some reason too. You know, it was a toughening up process because the environment was tough. But also, he he enjoyed it. You know, my cousin, he enjoyed <laughs> he enjoyed inflicting pain on us. Um, he just really did. So this better me is just a reflection of how I had to get seasoned into this type of environment and how the ones closest to you are seasoning you into this process and they're forging you into this process and this is something not new to any family some but not all especially live when you live in a tough environment like you have to be tough or else you're just going to be a chump you're going to be chumped your whole life so I am not mad at this part. I'm just acknowledging how the psychology of it. So when I go into the trials have begun, you are no longer a boy, but a man. Although you are my cousin, I will beat you until you can no longer stand. So there's a process where he's just beating you up every day until you stand up for yourself. And then he says, fight back. And if you do, I'll hurt you more. Don't cry. I will hurt you more. Don't let me tap your pockets or enter your space. So that's the thing in an urban environment is that if you tap somebody's pockets, it's basically you get to take what you want from them. If you if you run in somebody's pockets, it's, you know, it's basically a sign to say, like, you know, I can have what you have. Your possessions are mine. And. That's a no-no in our society. I said, no-no, you don't touch anyone's pockets unless you're gonna rob them or you're gonna do something about it. And if you let and somebody touch your pockets, it's a fair game to punch them in their face. Don't let anyone enter your space. So, you know, you give a man three feet, that's just customary. You give somebody three feet, unless you really know the person or your friends or um, you're wrestling or prey fighting, but if you don't know anybody, you give them their space, you give them three feet because that's just range for you to do something to them or them to do something to you. And so the part of it is, look how close I am to your face, pal. And so that was him punching me in my face. And um, I said, I fall to my knees, crimson flows from my nose like liquid rose petals. This was in the kitchen when he punched me. Um, as blood roar shacks on the beige floors, something inside me clicks like a roaring fire. So as a child, you 
don't have you don't have this aggression you know some some children do you don't have like an aggression to fight you may have a tantrum you may have anger but you don't have you don't have that mechanism to harm anyone that has to be adopted somehow you know that has to be facilitated and tutored um so he was there in that process and so I go on to say something inside me clicks like a roaring fire. He pushed me to the brink. Now, some people may not have that mechanism. They can just, they're like sponges. You can beat them and they won't hit you back. They won't do anything to you. But where I'm from, if you don't have a mechanism to stand up for yourself, someone will ride you until forever they would do is not on and until they will take and take and take and they will never give up so these are like the bullies they will just continue to take so and i would go on to say an arching blow launches from my fist landing on his face no fear only hatred i tell him i will kill you he smiles and tell me you're ready so my cousin he i remember this day like yesterday and this is the first day I like snapped. It was a snapping period. Um, in our community, we call it blacking out. So yeah, I punched him back the first time. I, I punched him in his face. And he looked at me. And mind you, he's, he's older than me by like six or seven years. And he just looked at me, he stared at me, and he was like, yeah, like you ready about time. He's like, and then he said, I'm gonna fuck you up later. You know, for my audience, pardon the language but I'm being as truthful and organic as possible but when I did that he it was almost an acknowledgement and a respect that I gained from him mind you I was mad I was mad um but in punching him it gave me some relief but also the acknowledgement that I can no longer be a pushover so we would have these games where he would he would still continue to terrorize us terrorize me too but it was more respected as if you fought back, you know, or catch him sneaking. So I remember a couple times that he would be eating at the dinner table and or the breakfast during breakfast time. And I would just give him one from behind his neck, you know, give him an open neck behind his neck and run off. So if I couldn't beat him one to one, I would just like sneak attack him and lock the door. <laughs> sneak attack him. Punch him in his back of his head, sneak attack him somehow and and run off, you know, and let him catch me later. So it was a constant cat and mouse game. And mind you, my aunts, my mom, no one knew. It was just, you know, amongst cousins, because if you did tell, they'll beat you up some more. You couldn't tattle. Um, so that was also another seasoning process. Like you can't tell, you know, your parents, or your aunts, your uncles didn't like the authority. So you couldn't tell. You just had to handle it. You know, you had to to go go at it with your cousin. And so that's the better me one. Uh, for good, bad, and different, it helps shape who I am as a person. Um, I can definitely tell you that. Um, I didn't like that process I didn't like that process at all I don't think anyone likes that process but um,
I'm glad I went through it because I've seen a lot worse happen to other kids. And I'll go on to it in The Better Me Too. So now I'm going to recite The Better Me Too, and I hope you guys enjoy. In school, I watched as the bigger kids take the snacks and money from the smaller kids. The smaller kids did nothing. The bigger kids looked more ragged. Their eyes looked like something was lost. I was a smaller kid. A bigger kid reaches for my pockets. Pow! I knew the scenario. The fire roared again. I told him, I will kill you if you touch me. I meant it. He looked in my eyes, and but whatever he saw made him surprised. We fought. I lost the fight, but I smiled. And for those snacks, I would have rather died because it represented my pride. He would come back and each time Every time the fight's more savage until I won. That was the better me too. And this was a true story. I, um, when I got into elementary school, we got into a fight. I got into a fight with this big kid. His name was John. We called him Big John. And he stayed back two times, at least two to three times. So he was a lot bigger than us. This was probably around first, second grade. Because I remember getting into Mount Vernon Elementary. And this was before No Child Left Behind. So if someone (laughs) was to stay back, they would repeat that grade until they were able to to be capable of of continuing on their progress. So there was no no child left behind. There was no we're just going to bump you up to the next grade regardless as if you don't know the schoolwork or not. This is prior to that. So this kid John, he stayed back at least two times. And I got in a fight with Big John because he he wanted my snacks. And he would just go around terrorizing, (laughs) terrorizing the youth because he was just so much bigger than us. Just imagine someone being two grades bigger than you. And as a child, you know, two years doesn't really make a difference as you're an adult. But as a child, two years make a difference. You can see the progression and the the musculature in, in kids when they get older. So, And they just seem that much bigger when you're a child. And so I would say, in school, I watched as the bigger kids take the snacks and money from the smaller kids. So this was a common practice. If you didn't know how to fight or defend yourself, someone would take your stuff. And the smaller kids did nothing. Most of them didn't. So most of the kids did nothing. And the bigger kids looked more ragged. Their eyes looked like something was lost. 
So as you continue on, you realize that these bigger kids may have been bullied or may have been beat up by other bigger kids or they may have been in that same grade where they incurred that type of wrath. So that's what I meant by something in their eyes were lost. So you can't really describe it. It's a toughness that kids get. They don't have this innocence no more. They don't have this this light and shining in their eyes. They're more they're children, but they're they're like adults. Um, in a sense, you know, a lot more ruthless because they may be going through that same seasoning process that I went through, but maybe way worse. So I, I can't speculate on how or why that they did the things they did. And maybe growing up, it didn't matter why they did the things they did. They just have to make sure that didn't happen to you. So it did. And so I say I was a smaller kid. A bigger kid reaches for my pockets, pow. So the pow was me actually swinging on Big John. And this wasn't my first fight I had, but this was one of my first fights I had in New Jersey. And going through the process of having my fighting my cousin and, and gaining the respect of my cousin. And I punched him in his face as he reached for my pockets because you, I knew the scenario. And I go on to say, I knew the scenario. The fire roared again. So at any moment's notice when someone invades your space or goes to attack you or presents themselves as a threat or reaches for your pockets, that is an automatic license for me to as my West Coast people say, fire on you. So that means I just punch you in your face um, without warning because the warning was always given. You know, in our community, it's important to give someone their space. It's important to respect individuals because the littlest things, the smallest infractions, someone can lose their lives. So this is a part of the process. Um, and you learn it young. And so I say the fire roared again. I told him, I will kill you if you touch me. I meant it. So as a child, as a kid, and I'm no more than probably five, six at the time of this happening. And you have to, you have to defend yourself. And when I punched him, he, uh, he looked me in the eyes, but whatever he saw made him surprised. So it's always surprising when someone stands up for themselves because it's almost a routine. They would come lunchtime, they would shake down the kids, shake down the smaller kids. If they didn't have, if they had anything or if they didn't have anything, it was going to be taken. Or if you didn't have anything, they were just going to beat you up and tell you, make sure you have something for tomorrow knowing this and seeing this happen you have to defend yourself so I fought Big John and I lost Big John beat me up he, he threw me against the, the, the fence 
and I'm laughing because it's it's funny at the time. It wasn't funny as a child, but it was. But he threw me against this fence uh, during lunch period. He, he 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 threw me up against the fence, and he was a lot bigger than me, man. He it was like fighting Andre the Giant. He clobbered me. He didn't have any type of skill in his his fights or his movements, but he was just he was just. He was just a brute, and um, he beat me up, but he didn't take my snacks. He didn't take anything from me. If anything, I fought him hard, and he would come back, but each time he came back, I would just have more and more data to fight him until I won. And the time that we won, I won, um, truthfully, I teamed up with my best friend, and another kid that I'm friends with now, uh, I'm still friends with, his name is Dundee. So it was myself, Dundee, and my, my best friend, Ryan, as we were in this grade. We were either in the first or second grade. And Big John had beat them up, too. <laughs> Big John had beat them up, too. So we decided one day during lunch period to jump Big John. And we did. We decided on lunch period that we were going to rush Big John. One of us take his legs. The other one try to reach for his arms. And, and the other one just beat on him. And we did. We collapsed on Big John. And we beat him. We beat him bad. We beat him up good. Enough that he left us alone. And he was pretty pretty cordial with us after we, we jumped him. Not condoning any of this for my listeners, but I just want to explain it to you as best I could and, and tell you that these things are for a reason. So if it wasn't for my cousins toughing, that was just one of my cousins, but you know, a slap box. And for the audience who doesn't know what a slap box is, it's pretty much boxing with open palm. So you're slapping your opponent, but you're not trying to throw a punch to, to inflict damage, but you want to get your skills, to hone your skills to defend yourself. So the thing we do as youths, we slap box one another. We might slap box somebody from another homeroom and the best slap boxer might slap box somebody from another homeroom or another grade level um just for sport but honestly most slap boxes ended up in fights if you didn't know if you wasn't friends with the individual so after i would learn to slap box i, I rarely slap box anybody i didn't know because it always turned into a fight someone always got the short end of the stick doing the slap box and they would hit you with a closed fist so that was part of our growing up and our, ritual, our rituals. And this is what made you tough. This is the things you had to learn in order to survive and not be bullied. Um, so for the audience, I know some of you guys are from a different world and don't have an, an understanding of, of this type of lifestyle in America, but I just wanted to share with you with that in The Better Me and The Better Me Too because it starts from a young age 
because I've often saw people who didn't know how to fight become victims from early on and it does something to their psyche. They continue to be what we call punked or victimized until they get into adulthood because no one in their family showed them how to fight or maybe they were from another country maybe their their parents were immigrants so they they didn't know how brutal american society was so even for myself my parents are from south america they're from guyana so a lot of the things and the dangers and the ills that i I tried to explain to them they didn't understand or the translation was different. So they come from a third world country where it's a they're pretty peaceful people but they've seen enough violence. So it's they don't believe that they didn't believe at the time that America had that type of violence or especially amongst kids. They just say kids play, but really my and full disclaimer I am first generation African American and I don't make any denotes about that. You know, I that's who I am. But for my audience, I was raised in a West Indian culture. I was raised with that West Indian culture. So in translation to that, you can as kids, you can see the difference amongst each other in our upbringing. Some kids you knew they their upbringing was a lot more tougher. You know, they may have not had a two-parent household. They may have had a one-parent household. They may not have had the ability or their parents may not have had the ability to afford brand name clothes. So they adopt on this psyche. Some of the kids who didn't have brand name clothes or didn't have anything to their names, they either were the funniest kids or they were some of the best fighters because they had to defend themselves because someone always would try to pick on them if they didn't have clean clothes or dirty clothes or something like that. Even for myself, I um I stayed relatively clean. So, relatively clean, but I didn't dress in the manner that my peers were dressing. And so that would garner like jokes. So I always had name brand clothes and new clothes, but kids weren't wearing, you know, they weren't wearing polo at that time or they weren't wearing like Lacoste or Le Tigre. Few, far between. They weren't wearing some of the things that I, I would I would wear, but whatever the trend was, I would have a little bit of that or a little bit of this, some dress clothes, some not dress clothes. And so you would get into it. So you either had to be the funniest one in the classroom or one of the funny ones or dress. But that also poured into your um, your academics because you're, you're more worried about what people think about you. Children are often the ones who have this group think and they determine what cool is and then they pass it on to their parents. I was one time listening to Alan Watts and you know kids get advice from other kids and then they pass it on to their parents it's pretty funny but as a child that meant the most most to you having the the respect from your peers or or being respected by your peers or not being 
chumped or not being hurt having some popularity you don't have to be the most popular but having some popularity all of that plays into the the building of a child so we would often watch this play out on the schoolyard so i gave the example of big john being one of my first bullies and having to fight big john and if it wasn't for the things that i learned from my cousins the toughening up process as brutal as it was i i'm not going to mince anything for the audience to tell you that it wasn't a fun time it wasn't i didn't like it i didn't like that process but even today no one could approach me on that level of being disrespected it just doesn't happen because i'm willing to fight and i'm not encouraging this for anyone but it's something that i had to to adopt and looking back at it many many young black hispanic latinos from all different walks of life had to go through this trial process this trial by fire So I'm just giving a glimpse of it to my audience and I hope you guys enjoyed the better me 1 and the better me 2 because it it shows you how society is in that environment and how much it means. And I just give some background to myself because it often starts with your family. It often starts inside the home. So there's always a toughening up process whether it's somebody's father toughening them up because I don't know I had a friend where he didn't have any siblings or any cousins he was an only child. So he was a lot more meeker, you know, he was an only child with a mother and a, a father at the time. And his father was the one who would, you know, have the toughening process. His father was the one that said, "If you go outside and let somebody you know, somebody hit you, you hit them back." or you're going to hit you harder. That's a part of the process because you 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 have to build that backbone or you have to give your your child some backbone or else they're going to be unfortunately soft for the rest of their life from where we come from or being taken advantage of. So, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. That was season 1 episode 20 the better me and the better me too that is cotton in a rocket ship and peace